But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, on, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let me read uh, those words again from verse 11. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh so death is at work in us but life in you. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much Uh, that you uh, are a God who has done all that is needed for us to know you, to be reconciled to you, to be at peace with you, to be members of your family. Lord, thank you that you have done all that is needed in the life and the death and the resurrection of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we think this morning about what it means for us to receive that, that you would enable us to do so, that you would enable us to take up our cross And follow Jesus, we ask it for his name's sake. Amen. Well, back in uh, the 1960s, a vault uh, wagon uh, ran a famous ad campaign titled Think Small. Tom, do you want to just whack that picky up there for us? Uh, And at the bottom it says, they said it couldn't be done, uh, and it couldn't. And it had a seven foot one basketball player uh, standing next to, obviously, this VW, and, you know, he can't actually fit inside the car. Uh, I think the only thing smaller than the VW in that picture is those shorts. Um, And let's not forget they didn't have stretch fabrics in those days. Uh, But it's it's often held up as one of the great uh, negative ad campaigns. Thanks, Tom, you can put that down. Uh, That is, it, it advertises a negative aspect... Uh, focus on, on, on actually a genuine negative in order to emphasise a positive. That is, you know, really big people can't fit into it, but that's because it's a small, it's a compact car that you can use in all kinds of different places. Uh, actually, its smallness was its selling point. Uh, it's a, the famous ad campaign that uses a negative 
aspect to sell something. And in many ways, the truth of the gospel can be a little bit like that as well. It can be, it can seem like a bit of a hard sell. Over the last six weeks, we've been looking at all that God has accomplished in the death and also in the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, We've thought about what Jesus has done, how his death has brought forgiveness for sins, how he's cancelled the record of debt, uh, how he's put Satan to public shame, uh, how he's reconciled us to God and each other, uh, how his death and resurrection is continuing to work its way out in our life, killing off sin and making us more like Jesus. Those are wonderful truths, uh, amazing truths, precious truths, Uh, Why wouldn't everyone want to receive those wonderful things? The problem comes uh, in thinking about all those great uh, gifts of God. The problem comes when we begin to think about how those gifts are received. Uh, Jesus has done all that needs to be done, but how do we, how do you and I actually receive that? How do we take that? How do we live in the light of what Jesus has done? And the answer is surprising. And it's the kind of thing that, humanly speaking, is actually pretty unsellable. It's pretty unmarketable. The answer to how we receive all those wonderful gifts from God that he has accomplished and achieved in Jesus, the answer to that question is that we receive those things by dying to ourselves. And that's what we're thinking about today in this last sermon on the cross of Christ. We'll come to a moment uh, in the uh, in a moment to the passage that we read that um, Jasmine read from two Corinthians. But first, I want to think with you about some words of Jesus where he lays out for people the call of the gospel. Uh, so listen to the words that Jesus said in Matthew sixteen verse twenty four as he calls people to receive what he is going to do on the cross. He says there this, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Jesus says that in order to receive what he has done, We need to die. We need to deny ourselves. We need to take ourselves from number one and we need to put Jesus in that spot. And that's not simply something that happens at the beginning of the Christian life, that you deny yourself at the beginning and then uh, live in a different way, but rather uh, we give up everything and we keep giving up everything for Christ as we live, as we keep going and following Jesus. So Luke, in his gospel, adds the little word daily. He says, whoever, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. It's not a once-off at the beginning of the Christian life. It's something that has to happen all the way along. The way that Jesus calls us to follow him is a way that leads to death. It's a way of death. The gospel is not a call uh, to excellence. It's not a call, first and foremost, to uh, success. It's not a call, first and foremost, to human flourishing. It's a call to a way of death, a way of cross-carrying. 
Every call of Jesus, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, leads to death. Not just some calls of Jesus. It's not that some people have to die in following Jesus and others don't. Every call of Jesus leads to death. So if you're not dying to self, then Jesus says you haven't really received the good gifts of what he's done in his death and resurrection. If you're not dying to yourself, if you're not taking up your cross and following Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. The old uh, believers used to say many years ago, no cross, no crown. Without taking up our cross, there's no crown of glory that awaits us. So too, the call that Jesus gives is not a call to give up just some things. Uh, It's not a call to give up chocolate for Easter. Uh, It's not a call to, to, to give up a few things here and there. It's a call to give up everything. And it's not Uh, Also, please understand as well, it's not simply a call to give up sin. Uh, Often, uh, I find that when when I'm speaking to people and I say, uh, Jesus calls us to die to ourselves, immediately people understand that in terms of dying to sin. Yes, absolutely, we die to sin. But Jesus is calling us to die to more than that. He's calling us to die also to, to good things sometimes. Uh, to things that, that, that he's created for our good. Sometimes following Jesus will mean having to give up those things as well. We saw last week from Romans 6 how the death uh, and resurrection of Jesus are working their way out in our lives, putting our sin to death and making us more like Jesus. That is certainly part of what is going on. But following Jesus is more than just that. It involves not just giving up sin, it involves denying our very selves, all of who we are. Not just the sinful part, but all of us. It's impossible, I think, for for us to overstate how radically different that idea is from the idea that, how radically different it is from the air that we breathe in our Australian society. So the the fundamental idea of the good life uh, in Australia is the way that you live the good life is to look inside yourself and to discover who you are and then to live authentically, if you like, in line with what you discover. That's, That's kind of the frame for how we're taught to live our life and it's around us everywhere. We eat and drink that. Uh, as we live in our society. Uh, That idea really stands behind so much of what we see, particularly in the areas of sexuality and gender. Who do you find yourself to be as you look inside yourself? What are the desires that you have? What are the loves that you have? Uh, And then you need to live and expressively, you need to express those things. That is what it means to live a good life. But Jesus' call is completely at odds with that idea. It it, it is completely the opposite of of that idea that we live and breathe. Jesus says, don't look inside yourself. He says, don't look inside. Deny what's inside yourself. Instead, fix your eyes on who he is, where he's going, what he's doing, and follow that. Don't look inside. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. 
But lest we think that, that, that those ideas are just ideas that are there in society and in the books and films and television programs and uh, social media that we read and see, lest we think that those ideas are just out there, there are also ideas that circulate among us as well and in the ways that we think about it and uh, about life. And obviously because we are affected by the, the kind of the world that we live in. Even within the church, we're often encouraged to look inside ourselves to see what gifts we have, to see what passions and desires we have, to ask ourselves, what do we enjoy? We're encouraged to find the things that make us happy and then to do those things in following Jesus. But no, Jesus says, He says, don't do that. Don't look inside yourself. Deny yourself. Fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on where Jesus is going. And follow him. Think of the Apostle Paul's call to ministry in Acts chapter 9. God says to him, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. It's unlikely that Paul's passion for ministry would lead him to... To, to suffering as, as God had laid out for him, as God had planned for him. I'm sure if Paul was left to himself, he probably wouldn't have been the apostle to the Gentiles. Or consider more recently, in the last century, there was a theologian, Henry Nguyen, uh, who was an, uh, he was, it was an Ivy League, you know, he taught at all the prestigious universities in America and England, uh, he, he, he taught to sold-out lectures. He spent some of the last years of his life caring for people with disabilities. Looking at his gift set, he probably would never have done that. But he felt convicted and compelled that that was where God was calling him to serve. Yes, God gives us gifts and passions, uh, but even those things must be laid at the foot of the cross. By God's grace, he might return those gifts and desires to us. He might call us to serve in those ways or along those lines. But he also might call us to serve somewhere else at great cost. We need to be aware that there's a kind of costless Christianity that is deeply prevalent in our culture and often deeply prevalent in our churches as well. It's a, it's a costless Christianity where we keep ourselves in the centre and then we squeeze Jesus in around the edges where we can find space for him to go. Uh, you might squeeze Jesus in around the edges of your time. There's no time for prayer. There's no time to be spent in the Bible. There's no time to be spent in in, in enjoying God today because there's other things that need to be done. There's family lunch. There's sport or whatever else it might be. You might squeeze Jesus in around the edge of your budget. So you spend all the money, you work out all the things that you need for yourself and then you find in the margins the things that you can give to God. You might squeeze Jesus in around the edges of your aspirations. You, you choose a course of study. I'm going to study that. I'm going to be trained in that. I'm going to do that for work. I'm going to live in that place. I'm going to build that kind of house. 
and you work all those things out and then you squeeze Jesus in around the edges of that. Where can Jesus fit in in what's left over? Worse still, following Jesus is completely at odds at another, with another one of our kind of cultural aspirations and that is to live a comfortable life. If you were to ask me what the central goal of people living in Launceston is, in Tasmania, it's to live a comfortable life. People are moving from interstate to Tasmania because they want to live a comfortable life, an easy life without the hassle of traffic and, uh, and, and a busy life. And so when we're faced then with the choice of being uncomfortable in order to follow Christ, to go without something nice, to do something awkward, to give up something that we love, when we're faced with those choices, it's very difficult for us to do that because comfort has a more central place in our lives often than Jesus. The problem with that kind of costless Christianity is, of course, that it's not really Christianity at all. It is completely at odds with real Christianity. That's what Bonhoeffer was saying as he faced the Nazi threat in the 1930s when he wrote, Every call of Christ leads to death. He was looking at the church that was capitulating to the Nazi threat. And we're saying, oh, it's too hard to push against what the Nazis are doing. We'll just softly, softly, softly. And we'll squeeze Jesus in around the edge of our life. And Bonhoeffer said, no, every call of Christ leads to death. A costless Christianity is no Christianity at all. Really following Jesus means making real sacrifices, really denying ourselves, actually doing things that deny ourselves not just accepting the possibility that one day there might be a moment where we might have to deny ourselves no following jesus means denying ourselves daily taking up our cross and following him we won't be perfect we won't always deny ourselves in the ways that christ calls us to do that but we will genuinely and truly follow the way of the cross it's also important i think uh, by way of counterbalance to say that the way that jesus leads us will not will also not always be the most difficult way so that's important to say because sometimes when we think about taking up our cross and following jesus we end up in a situation where we understand that to mean that we always when there's two decisions before us, we must always choose the most difficult one. It's kind of a Murphy's Law way of following Christ. But Psalm 23 tells us that Jesus leads us, God leads us, both through the way of the valley of the shadow of death, and he also leads us beside quiet waters. Even though the way of following Christ is a way of self-denial, it's not always a way of misery. It's a way of hardship, but also a way of rest and refreshment and grace and mercy and kindness. Jesus has done wonderful things on the cross. He's made reconciliation for us with God and he invites us to receive that, but he invites us to receive that by giving up ourselves and following him.
So the way of the cross, as I said before, is how we receive what Christ has done, but it's also the way that shapes us. And I want to explore with you that idea a little bit more. How does the way of the cross shape the whole of the Christian life? Well, let's uh, turn back to that passage that uh, Jasmine read for us before from 2 Corinthians. And Paul there is talking about his ministry. In particular, he's speaking about why he doesn't give up on gospel ministry. Uh, remember that God had told him that he would show him how much he, might, he will suffer for his name. So you can understand why Paul might want to give up on gospel ministry. Uh, from the outset, it was going to be enormously difficult. And listen to how he describes his experience of the service that Christ had put before him. Listen to how he, de he describes that in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, We're hard-pressed on every side. Not just some sides, every side. But not crushed. We're perplexed. We don't understand what's going on. We try one thing and it fails. We try another thing and it seems to fail as well. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. This service of Christ that Paul is doing in following Jesus is tough. But importantly, although it's extraordinarily difficult, it's not killing him. It's not, it's not completely destroying him. He's confused, he's persecuted, he's struck down. Uh, later on, he says in that chapter that he's outwardly wasting away. Uh, it's having kind of physical effects on him. He talks in chapter 11 about floggings, imprisonments, beatings, shipwrecks, being constantly on the move, uh, danger from unbelievers and false believers, hunger, thirst, cold, nakedness, sleeplessness, worry about the churches that he's pastoring. And it wasn't just the physical challenges that he faced. Uh, as I said, he talks about his worry for all the churches. In chapter 6, he talks about people dishonouring him, saying all kinds of evil things against him. Uh, he talks about the ups and downs of, of, of feeling overwhelmed with sorrow one day and then not the next. In chapter 1, he's talked about being so overwhelmed that he despaired of life itself. He's almost suicidal. So difficult. So difficult to do the service which Christ has put before him. What's caused his problems? The problems that he faced were caused by the ministry that he was doing. When he says we despaired of life itself, the problem was the opposition that he faced in his ministry in Asia, and in particular, the opposition that he faced from the church that he was writing to, the Corinthian church. He'd intended to visit there, he couldn't do it because it was too painful to see them again. They were at odds with him. Now, it's important for us to understand that Paul is not just talking about the realities here of human existence. He's not just saying, you know, life is hard. We saw that in Ecclesiastes earlier in the year, didn't we? Like, it's a tr it is true, life is hard. But Paul's not talking about that. Christians and non-Christians face sickness and struggle and death. Paul's not talking about that. He's not talking about that here. He's talking about the unique challenges that have come from his commitment 
to follow Christ where Christ is leading him. Paul could have avoided all the challenges that he was facing in a very simple way. He could have just pulled the pin on the way that the things that God was leading him to do. He could have given up on the ministry. He could have given up on the, on the Corinthian church. It's too hard. I'll just leave them to sort it out themselves. It's too hard trying to sail across the waters to there. I could be shipwrecked. I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sleepless and hungry. I'll just find an easier task to do. What Paul is describing is the cost of serving Jesus where he is leading him. Paul describes it in this way, as always carrying around the body, in his body, the death of Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to always carry around in his body the death of Jesus. Now, for Paul, serving Jesus in his life meant wandering around the Mediterranean, preaching the gospel, planting churches, shepherding and leading churches. The odds are that that probably isn't what God is calling any of us to do. We're not going to need to, we don't need to set off this afternoon for the Mediterranean to plant churches. But God is calling each one of us to follow where Christ is leading, and he's leading us each somewhere. God is calling you to serve him. He is calling you to deny yourself. He is calling you to take up your cross and follow where Jesus wants you to go. And the challenge is that as we see where Jesus is leading, that like Paul, we might be tempted to give up. Perhaps God has made you a husband or a wife, or perhaps he's made you a parent. Perhaps he's, perhaps he's, he's put you in a situation where you're not married. We can just try and survive those situations. We can just try and make it to the end of every day. We can just try and make those situations as comfortable for ourselves as we possibly can. Or we can seek to serve God where he's put us. You can seek to go where God is leading you, to give up what God is asking you to give up. You can seek to give up whatever it takes to grow and nurture uh, your marriage. Uh, you can seek to give up whatever it takes to grow and nurture your children. You can seek to use your opportunities as an unmarried person to serve God where he's put you, despite the sadness and the difficulties perhaps that you face in that situation. And the same is true for work or school or university or wherever God has placed us. We can seek to just survive those realities, just make it through the day just to be comfortable, to earn a living, to provide for the family, we can seek to just survive those things 
or we can seek to go where Christ is leading us and to do what Christ is calling us to do. And the same is true of the church. Unless you're a visitor here today, the rest of us are part of this church here. God has placed you here. And you can just try and survive the church, be comfortable in the church, just get by, or you can seek to serve God here in the way that Christ is leading you. You can seek to use what God has entrusted to you to bless others. You can serve in ways that you might find difficult, maybe even impossibly difficult. And you can do that out of love for God and love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not that every day you have to perform these great feats of missionary brilliance. Rather, serving Jesus in those situations is often made up of thousands and thousands of little decisions to deny ourselves rather than to take the easy option. Please realise that following Jesus where he leads you will kill you, but it won't destroy you. It will hurt. You'll end up carrying around the death of Jesus every day. But that is ultimately the way that Christ leads us. It's a way of the cross. Christ takes all those who follow him on a cross-shaped journey. Well, that all sounds really kind of difficult, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds quite overwhelming. And in one sense, it is difficult. Paul is not beating around the bush here in 2 Corinthians. He wants the church there to know the cost of his service to Jesus. But it's important to realize too that even though Paul's very honest about the struggles in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the whole purpose that he's writing it is, ordered, is in order to show why he doesn't lose heart. Twice in that chapter he says, therefore we do not lose heart. Verse 1 and verse 16 I think it is. Therefore we do not lose heart. Why doesn't he lose heart? The short answer is because the way of the cross is not only a way of death, but the way of the cross is also a way of life. The way of the cross leads to resurrection. He says in verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. Why not? Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul doesn't give up because even though his service to Jesus is killing him on the outside, inside he's being renewed. Inside he's being transformed. Inside he's being made more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day he takes up service to Jesus, it chips a little bit more away from him on the outside. But every day he takes up service to Jesus, it also changes him on the inside for better. It grows his love for God. 
It grows his love for those around him. It grows his perseverance. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, we rejoice in suffering. Why is that? We glory, we boast in our sufferings. Why is that? Because suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint disappoint us. Every day you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find more and more from the outside of you being chipped away, dying, falling away. But every day as you serve Jesus, you'll find inside that you're being transformed to be like Jesus. Stepping towards someone in love today might be very difficult. You're tired. You've got other things that you need to do. It might cost you time. It might cost you money. It might cost you the list of jobs that you had that you needed to get done. It might cause you even sometimes to be hated, to be despised. It might cause people to say evil against you. It might cause you worry and anxiety. But God promises it will transform you to be like Jesus. Why doesn't Paul give up in the service that Christ is leading him into? He doesn't give up because though outwardly he's wasting away, inwardly he's being renewed day by day. But the way of the cross not only brings resurrection life in us, it also brings resurrection life in others as well. Look at verse 11. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us. But life is at work in you. Death is at work in us. But life is at work in you. Paul's cross-shaped life, his suffering was hard for him, but it was bringing life, not just in him, but in those around him. That wasn't automatic. It wasn't kind of miraculous and intangible that somehow just by his suffering that automatically people around him would just sort of spring to life again. The reason that his suffering was bringing life in others was because his suffering was the, was the accompaniment of his proclamation of the gospel. He was telling other people about Jesus. The whole point of what he's saying in chapter 4 is that he's speaking and communicating the truth about Jesus. He doesn't want to give up on that. Why not? Because even though it's killing him, people hear it. Find Christ and live. The life of Jesus is manifest in Paul's body as he makes the gospel known to those around him. It's that treasure of the words of God that he has in his frail body. And one of the primary ways that we serve Jesus, one of the primary ways that Jesus is calling us to follow him is by making him known. Paul says here in this chapter that that's not kind of a bonus extra. It's not kind of, you know, sort of just run-of-the-mill Christians who believe Jesus but don't make Christ known. 
and then there's kind of special Christians that do make Jesus known. Paul says here, he quotes here a psalm from David, he says, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And with the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore speak. Belief and trust in Jesus imply making Jesus known. As we travel the way of the cross, the most important thing that we can do is to make Jesus known. To make known to others what God has done through Christ in order to reconcile uh, those who trust in him to himself. In order to make known to, to those who already know Christ. To remind them of the truths of the gospel. Again and again. Serving Jesus in that way will be hard. It will kill us on the outside. But we won't give up. Because even as we die, others will find life. God has done so much in Jesus. He offers us the greatest treasures in the whole world. But in order to receive those gifts, we have to give up everything else. Empty our hands so that we can receive the gift of God in Jesus. And as we begin the Christian life in that way, so we follow on in that way. A way of denying ourselves, fixing our eyes on Jesus and following him. Well, if you're serving God where he has placed you, whether that's at work or at home or in the church or wherever it is in the communities, around you, uh, if you're serving God in those places and you're thinking of waving the white flag because uh, it's just got too difficult, it's just got too hard, it costs too much. If you're think of, thinking of waving the white flag and settling back into a comfortable and an easy life, then I want to encourage you today not to give up but to keep Jesus at the centre, to keep denying yourself, to keep following him. I want to encourage you to do that because through your suffering and ministry, wherever God has placed you, through your service of Christ, God is changing you, renewing you, and through your service of Christ, others are finding life as well. If you've been serving God where he's placed you and you're finding it really tough at the moment, you're not, you don't want to give up, but boy, is it tough. I want to encourage you to keep going, to keep following Jesus, to keep serving him, to keep denying yourself because he's transforming you through that service and raising others to life as well. And finally, if you aren't serving God, and if you are living that kind of costless Christianity, if you look at your life and you think, actually, you know what, there's, there's no decisions that I've made that have cost me anything. There's no decision in this past week where I've said, you know what, enough of me, more of Christ. If you're living that kind of costless Christianity, then I want to urge you to put that away and to deny yourself and follow Jesus. 
because costless Christianity actually is no Christianity at all. No cross, no crown. Whoever wants to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. Let's pray.